What's your boy, Anthony Albatross, here again with the Cypher Unlimited crew. So we have Spigs or Anthony, we have AD or Alpha Dean, and today we have a very nice uh, surprise for everybody. So Dean, why are we here today? Well, today we have a very special guest. This is a man with a passion for inspired designs and over a 20-year resume with a multi-layered range of experience from 3D illustrations to animation and probably everything in between. None other than the awesome art director of Monty Cook Games, Bear Wider. So, Bear, welcome. Thank you. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, I'm Bear Wider. I'm the art director for Monty Cook Games. And uh, so, I've been working here for now for uh, five years. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty much kind of a dream come true to be able to work for a game company like this. It's, it's awesome. Uh, first off, Bear, we, I just want to say uh, welcome. Welcome to the CU. We're so happy to have you here. Um, our server was uh, jumping with excitement yesterday <laughs> when I announced that you were going to be on. So I, I think uh, there's a lot of excited people ready to see this video. Yeah, and this is this is great. <laughs> I you know I love doing this. I love you guys, and I love what you do. And yeah, so this yeah, is like a uh, heart. heart. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit of how how did you get into graphic design, and you know what led you to working with Monica Games? Working yeah. for games. Sure. Um, so I actually got into graphic design mostly because it was a uh, uh, a good opportunity to uh, to actually be employable. Um, I I got an art degree um, out of college. I actually took a uh, seven year approach to finally getting a bachelor's degree, um, mostly because I couldn't decide on what I really wanted to do. Um, I was considering uh, illustration and photography and sculpture, but ultimately I settled on a painting degree because that's what I had the most experience in. And I finally just needed to get a degree and to move on. And um, But through my uh, college career, I was really into uh, getting in, this is, so this is this will date me. I am I am 50 years old. So um, so back in uh, the late 80s, early 90s, you know, computers were still kind of a a big thing for for doing anything graphically. And um, but I was really getting into doing a lot of stuff on the computers, actually doing fine art stuff and and photography stuff on the computers. And so um, I built up a really good, solid experience and knowledge base of things like Photoshop and Illustrator, and at that time, Quark, Design, uh, Quark Express. Um, and so uh, <clears throat> just as I was finally graduating, um, I had heard from a, what was called at that time a pre-press company um, that uh, needed someone from with my experience and knowledge, and uh, they were local. And so it just kind of, it kind of moved me into that. And so it wasn't quite so much graphic design immediately, but, uh, but it very quickly evolved into me doing a, a variety of um, uh, graphic work. And um, uh, but because, of course, I was young and I was still really kind of hungry for knowledge and learning new things. Um, at that point, I was I was really getting into 3D and uh, uh, video work. And so that led me into another company where I was uh, kind of heading up the media side of a new business of theirs, uh, actually doing some stuff with uh, macro, uh, Macromedia Director, so programming, uh, programming, uh, with uh, scripting and all of that. And, um, and uh, <clears throat> then I jumped into web design, which is horrible, but I did it. Um, and uh, but at that, uh, so at that point, when I was doing web design, I was working for a company called Medtronic. They're a huge medical device company. Uh, make pacemakers and uh, on and on so many different things. But um, at that point, I was finally able to kind of start leveraging my 3D skills. And so uh, I started to do some illustration work for them. Um, a friend and I uh, actually stepped out and started our own business at that point, which was 97. And uh, so we could do a lot of uh, uh, illustration and animation uh, and other things to help support them. And um, and so then that kind of set me up, I think, for uh, at that stage to be doing a, a good variety of different kinds of graphic type stuff. Uh, we did a lot of video. We did a lot of trade show graphics, a lot of illustration. Um, a lot of my stuff was medical focused, which you would think doesn't really kind of make the transition into gaming. Um, but, uh, uh, but, you know, I, I've always been a gamer at heart. Um, and... Uh, 
And so five years ago, actually, I take that back, probably, I'm guessing this is probably about six or seven years ago, um, uh, I was doing a bunch of writing at the time, and I got involved with um, a book project called Geek Love. This was a brainchild of uh, Shauna Germain and uh, Janine Ashbless, I believe is her name, um, and uh, some other people. I actually knew some of the other people more so than uh, than them, but it allowed me to get to know Shauna really well. And so I ended up doing, I'd volunteered to do a video for the project because they are, they are clearly needing some video for the Kickstarter. This is my first experience with Kickstarters. and. Um, and so I said, yeah, sure, I'll, yeah, I'll help you out. Um, which led to me actually ended up doing um, uh, the book design itself, laid out the book and did all the graphic design for it. Um, and, uh, and then I think might've been later that year, she, she said, hey, um, uh, you know, they're doing this other Kickstarter, they're doing this other thing for this book. Um, and can you do a small illustration thingy for it? Uh, and I said, yeah, it sound, that sounds cool. It sounds, you know, I, I haven't done anything in gaming. And so it was this book called Numenera. And I thought, yeah, okay, that's, that's cool. It's a small thing. And, um, and small didn't, thing. Yeah, <laughs> didn't think about it much after that. Um, and, uh, and then there's a couple of other things that we had talked about, but didn't happen. Um, but it, all of that kind of just fell out of my head. And, um, but then five, a little bit more than five years ago, Shauna came back to me and said, Hey, we're, um, we're looking for an art director. Um, and, um, so she was, she was kind of sneaky in the way she was asking. She didn't come out and said, Hey, would you like to apply for this art director position? She was more like, do you, do you have anybody that you would recommend for this position? I said, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll think about it. Um, and I, I, for me at the time, I was thinking that, ah, you know, that, that sounds fun, but you know, I, what do I know about art direction and, and all of that? And, um, but, uh, um, after about a, a handful of days of thinking about it and talking with my wife, um, I decided, you know what, I, I kind of do want to apply for this. And so, um, and so I did, I, uh, uh, uh it took me a little while. I ended up putting together, a. Um, resume slash portfolio that's in the form of a game book. Um, and so there, I, I sent them a book that would look just like any other game book that was on your shelf. It was all handmade, um, uh, way too much writing in there. I mean, I, I filled maybe 20 of the pages, but you know, it was stuff about me and, um, and using some art that I could find that, um, where the artist would allow for use as long as you were crediting them and it wasn't for, for professional use and all that. And so I put together a nice, nice book that was that was my portfolio slash resume, and um, and that must have done the trick. And so you know, they they said, sure, let's yeah, no, let's uh, let's do it. I, I don't know much about you know the industry and you know getting in into the you know, graphic or you know art direction or whatever have you. But is it commonplace to like you know you you were you know applying to do the art direction for a book to like make a mock book as your <laughs> resume? Is that is that normal? <laughs> I, would, I would think that it's probably not very normal. Um, you know, I I think it was one of those that I I decided that um, once I decided that this was something I really wanted to do. Um, I hadn't actually had a real day job since '97. Um, you know, I've worked for myself. Uh, for you know uh, that many years, and I, you know what kind of resume do I have? I mean, I, I have a lot of I have a lot of work and examples of what I've done and everything else. Um, but you know, I, I didn't want to put together a resume. I, I hated the idea of having to put together a, a two-page resume of blah blah blah. Here's my high school stuff. Who, who, <laughs> I mean, is, is uh, that definitely I does think, sound like uh, attention grabbing? Like, right. <laughs> I think that was probably. That that was probably the most awesome thing you could have done, and I mean, if it if you put it together and it's like all about you, that's like even cooler. Right. So you know, and the fact of the matter is, like I said in your introduction, your work is awesome. Thank I mean, you. the the the, the cipher system books have got to be some of the most beautiful books ever to lay your hands on. So. I have an interesting follow-up question. Uh, one, it's funny how small the world is. You met Sean on a single project and it led into, you know, 
six, seven years later, you're working for MCG. Right, yeah. But my question is, you said that you, you saw the original Numenera Kickstarter. Did you realize how innovative and groundbreaking that game was going to be? When you know, looking at the Kickstarter? You know, actually, in truth, um, I don't think I even looked at the Kickstarter itself that much at the time. Um, awesome. It was it was such a background noise level thing. Um, what it was, I mean, when I did something for uh, for the book, of course, the Kickstarter itself had been long done. They were in the production of the book. So what I actually did is I did the um, uh, Beale of Boreal flowchart design thing. That was me. I, I laid that out and designed that. Um, and um, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know. I didn't know how the rest of the book looked. Um, they sent me some um, some example art, and I think I saw some cool stuff from. Oh, I saw the character sheets, and I uh, Lee Smith had done the character sheets, and he's done he's done the Numenera character sheets since then for us, and um, he does really great um, uh, these these detailed drawings and borders and elements, and so. Um, I had that as kind of my influence for it, but I, you know, I didn't really have a sense of what it all meant. I, I'd been so far out of the tabletop side of gaming for, for many years. So, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a nice thing to get back into. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't know really what I was quite getting, getting myself into at that time. By the time I was applying for (laughs) for this position, I had a much clearer idea of, of um, uh, the industry, Monty, of course, and who he was. Um, but you know, earlier on, you know, I knew Shauna. I didn't know Monty. I I knew who Shauna was. I I had about that much knowledge about of Monty, and <laughs> um, and it's probably a good way in which to come at it because I see so many people who um, uh, have such a a fan level view of of Monty, and and probably in general, right? I mean. Yeah. I, I might have to say if I if I ever had to approach say Stephen King or or whatever he's you know he's one of my favorite writers, um, but um, but it's nice I think being able to come into a company where you don't have that fan background noise built up that that makes it weird and awkward and all that it was just hey this is you know uh, mm-hmm. one of uh, you know. Uh, a number of other people that I'm working with and, and you know and they've all been really cool of course so that makes a whole lot of sense <laughs> yeah and they're definitely very awesome people <laughs> but um that leads us uh, very neatly into our next question um you know Monty Games products they all have a very distinct art aesthetic from Invisible Sun to Numenera to your best game ever uh just to name a few can you tell us a little more about your process in designing the art direction for a new book? And uh, what do you feel is the most important part in that process when designing for a new project? Yeah. Um, so, you know, going back with, say, the Numenera or the Strange books, I kind of inherited a lot of that design. Um, Sarah Robinson had done um, the the layout and graphic design of those books. And so when I first started, I uh, very much was was trying to honor what we had done and it took me probably a little while i'm guessing actually the numenera box set was was the thing that felt like this was first my first real baby with the company something that i could take what was there but somehow um inject my own my own sensibilities into it and my own thinking process and all of that but um uh, and of course, since then, there's been a number of projects that have have been started from scratch. And you know, I, I've I've reinvented a, a number of things in which we do things with, like say Numenera and certainly the Cipher system and all of that. But um, for me, I think the 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 biggest thing is kind of that very early initial um, experience with the product. Um, often, this is meeting with the designer and discussing um, what it is that what is their vision. Um, uh, what is the subject matter that we're talking about? What is the mood that we are trying to capture? Getting this kind of sense of what it is that they want, um, and then for me to kind of get my own experience with it and see how that jives with what they are thinking, um, uh, so we can all kind of come at it with uh, with our own personalities and our own elements that we want to bring to it. Um, you know, like uh, Invisible Sun, it was so much different. And um, 
I, I have a tendency to want to um, follow what we've done previously that has worked really well. Things like callouts and the callout columns and all of that with our, our with our other products. Um, and so, uh, Invisible Sun was one where we really wanted it to work differently. But I also liked a lot of what was working with it. And so it was it was an interesting challenge to try to find a way to do similar stuff, but in a very different kind of experience. Um, and so, uh, you know, that was kind of one of the goals was to, you know, do something that was that captured the or evoked the the spirit of the game, but also had some sensibilities from the other products that we've done. Mission accomplished. I'll tell you that that thing is beautifully crafted. I mean, and you know, by you even saying that, I mean, so I mean, from the surrealism of 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 Invisible Sun, you know, to the just engaging the engaging way that you know you crafted the cipher system rule book and the the other Numenera products and stuff. Do you have a favorite project or a favorite product from all of those things that you've ever? <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's probably one of those that I, I think a lot of people who, who do uh, creative stuff, and I, I consider this a creative process, of course. Um, I often like, um, well, okay. Uh, I often like the last thing I've done, uh, for quite a while. It, um, even though sometimes it kind of goes into kind of a stair step or up and down kind of pattern, right? You, you like it and then you hate it. And then you grow to like it again, and um, but I I think if it had to be if I if I was going to say this this was the thing that um, maybe represents my aesthetic the most um, it would probably be Invisible Sun um, just you know as a game and it's it's setting an environment I think speaks to me the most um, out of everything we do and it was something that. Um, I really wanted to inject as much as I could of myself into the game, into how it looks and the, the, the experience and feel that you get out of it. So I have to honestly say that Invisible Sun was something I had no desire to get into. I was <laughs> not going to touch it. You know, I was that guy. There's no way I can justify a $256 point. <laughs> point. You know, just I had every excuse in the book. And uh, not this past uh, Gen Con, but Gen Con before that, I think it was you, Bear. You were like, we need somebody to play this game over here. <laughs> and I went and played an Invisible Sun game, and I've been done ever since. <laughs> you know, it, it really does draw you, and you did a great job. The It emotes and evokes. Yeah. So I, I really dig it. Thank you so much, you know, <laughs> doing what you're doing, man. Another Thanks. side question: When they told you about all the stuff they wanted to put in the cube, was it designed <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like a zillion pieces? So you know, it's it's one of those that um, when we do uh, when we do our kickstarters, I'll mock up the books in three D, um, and so I have a um, uh, I have a three D model of a hardcover book versus a three D model of a soft cover book, and so I can pretty easily change like how it fits for different page counts and all of that. And um, and so as we were um, as we were building towards the Kickstarter, so probably several months before the Kickstarter, um, we had been talking about. Uh, uh, in particular, Monty and myself, as well as Charles. Uh, um, just kind of from different aspects of production costs, Monty's vision, my vision, things like that. Um, and we were kind of talking about what is the form factor of this? What kind of box should this look like? And um, I had I knew that earlier that year he had just got the, um, oh, I'm going to forget the name and it's not sitting there, the um, uh, Kingdom Death Monster uh, uh, game. And it's it's this big, it's almost like a coffin, this big black <laughs> Uh, box um, and there's like almost no printing on it you really can barely make out what it is um, but I had bought I bought a copy of that myself mostly just for the experience I've, I've never taken it apart I've never played it <laughs> uh, but it looks beautiful and so I, I kind of had that as a as a little bit of a background noise but I wanted um, because I knew the game was all about these 
these secrets and layers of meaning and all of that, I wanted the game itself to kind of um, open up in a particular way. And so we had kind of, we had come off doing, you know, a cool box for the Numenera box set. And so I was thinking about how this box might work. And so I mocked up something in 3D. And of course, in 3D, I can kind of make whatever I want to make. And it doesn't have to be part of the real world. But um, I built this this 3D box, you know, you know how it opens. And it's, you know, uh, for me, it's kind of like feeling this 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 uh, onion open and getting into the the deeper meaning of these these layers. And, um, uh, and then, you know, and, and Monty was like, yeah, that's that's what we're doing. And, um, uh, but fr from that point on, I had I'd started building mock-ups of, um, okay, well, I knew, you know, we're coming up to the Kickstarter. We're going to have four books, uh, their soft cover. That's how it was, at least at the, at the initial part. Um, and we're going to have these handouts and dice and this mini cards and all that. And so I started taking all the models that I had and assembling them and seeing how they would fit into the box. And it's like, okay, yeah, this will, this will fit. Um, and, um, but you know, we did add a handful of things. And so each time we'd add something, I, you know, before we announce stuff, I mock it up. So we're ready to announce it. And, um, and so I kept stuffing these into the box and it's like, you know, this is getting fuller, not bad, but fuller. Um, but at the time I also didn't have a full concept of how the box would really work as far as where does everything go? Um, and, um, uh, you know, the whole drawer system and all of that, that was all kind of a later thought. And, um, but by the end of the Kickstarter, when we had actually, I think the, one of the very last goals was we made the hardcover, the books hardcover, um, which, you know, that adds, that might, might have doubled the thickness of the, of the game books themselves um, and added a more additional weight. Uh, I knew it was going to be somewhat tight, but we also hadn't settled on exactly the dimensions of it. So we knew we wanted to, you know, probably had to be bigger than 10 inches because that's the size of the books. Um, probably no bigger than a foot. And uh, and it turned out to be pretty much right at a foot. A foot but I love it, how Bear's like, oh, we added a couple of things like 30, po 30 pounds later. <laughs> it, it was a little bit of an in insane project. Uh, I'm, I'm amazed that we actually were able to pull it off, really. But, uh, you, you know, in truth, um, there was probably some moments where I was a little scared about how it was all going to fit together. Um, but then um, before it came out, um, I went to China to help oversee the kind of some of the final stages of production and quality check on things and all of that. And it was a great, um, it was a great trip. Um, it was really useful. Um, I could check some, some of the paper stock that we were using. Um, they send us these white samples of the paper stock, but you know, I got, 30 pounds of white samples and it's hard to know exactly this is the character sheet versus this is the character uh this is the pre-gen character and all these other things and so um, i was there to help kind of make sure all that was good and clean and and what we wanted um but part of it was how does all of this fit into this cube i mean and i i remember spending a whole afternoon they left me in the room in kind of their production room with the cube and all of the supplies and they said put it together and show us how it's going to fit. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I, I think I took three or four different stabs at it, but came up with the the system and how it got packed. And, um, you know, uh, it's, it was tight. It was, I mean, we, we couldn't have fit in anything more into it. You know, if we had, um, you know, three or four more individual sheets, it, it just, it wasn't going to go in there. And yeah. if we had to have changed the box size at that stage, that would have been easily another month or two month delay. And we are already fighting the clock on the project. So it's, you know, it's the way these things get built sometimes. <laughs> how long did it take you to manage to figure out the, you know, how, where or everything was going to go, like the placement? I think, you know, I think in the end it, it, it probably all clicked in about a half an hour, but that was after trying it two or three different times. Um, and uh, so, you know, probably all told, it was probably an, an afternoon project for me to really get it exactly right and um and i think we still might might have actually i take it back we did end up tweaking it slightly afterward i had come up with a plan where everything was logical and seemed to fit and everything else near the end of the project the printer came back and said that they had a couple of issues and so for people who got the black cube and are familiar with the black cube you end up getting a couple of card decks in one place that's not with the rest of the card decks um that was their solution to make things fit a little better. Um, 
and uh and it worked it was fine um but it wasn't exactly how i had had it and and so that time between what i had set up and the kind of the final assembly um you know i have to trust what they think is best and so in their mind they felt like this tweak was best and i said yeah do it keep you know get this thing out <laughs> keep making them so uh you know oh i i absolutely adore that story i'm a I'm gonna tell everyone that I know when we start talking about the black cube. I'm like, did you know Bear was in China figuring out how to? Play? Yeah, it was. It was an awesome. It was really is was an awesome experience. I, uh, to be to be perfectly honest, I was uh, a little apprehensive uh, going there. Mostly, I've I've traveled a lot, um, but uh, most of my travels have been places like uh, various places in Europe um, where. Uh, even if they don't speak English, and I don't speak anything else but English, um, I, I could easily make my way around. Uh, China, I felt uh, more nervous about. Uh, it was also a more uh, uh, tightly controlled experience. I, I You can't just go there. You have yeah. to get it. So, I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I have to run away from the camera for just a minute. I apologize. But keep the interview going, please. Sure. Okay. We'll be good. Things happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> His house is on fire. You're gonna see smoke. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens. How do you call um, the fire department? <laughs> this is the part of our interview where we took questions from people from the Cypher Unlimited Discord server and here's the shameless plug. If you haven't been, please go. We we have over twenty five hundred members. We discuss everything Monty Cook Games, Cypher System, Invisible Sun. You get to play games, run games, post games. BS with us CUers, and it's a great place to hang out. Enough with the shameless plugs. So this first question comes from Francita, and I'm going to quote her or them. It's, it starts with, I think the Numenera character sheets are some of the most gorgeous and well-designed sheets out there. At what point in the design process do you start to think about character sheets? Um, You know, I... I wasn't involved with the first round with the Numenera, original Numenera core book or those character sheets. I was involved with uh, the redesign when we did uh, Into the Ninth, uh, Into the Ninth World. Those character sheets we did those, uh, as well as of course the the new ones with the uh, uh, the new core book set. Um, and those were uh, those were something fairly early on in the process, um, partially because they can be a little bit elaborate and certainly take some time. Um, but, uh, you know, some of that design work also helps to influence a little bit of my thinking and how I end up designing the book. Um, but we treat the character sheets, uh, for a number of the products anyway, we treat the character sheets as, uh, another art asset. And so I, uh, I send that out. Um, uh, Lee Smith is the one who's done them for Numenera and the strange and probably, I knew he did our. Uh, some design he did the pieces for the numenera uh, character uh, portfolios um and so i i really trust what lee's going to bring to the table and so he you know he sends back stuff it's awesome we make a few little tweaks and it's you know it's uh uh they're actually really easy to do because we have such a great person to work with and we can just we we trust what he's going to give us they're awesome sheets who did the invisible sun sheets uh those were all me um, I did all of those, um, including the apostate one. Um, the apostate one was actually interesting because um, I did something and Monty said, you know, I, these others are really working well for the different orders, but the apostate uh, isn't quite hitting it. So I did something else and he's like, it's better, but <laughs> like, okay. And, and so he said angrier. Um, you know, <laughs> and I said, okay, I can, I can do angry. And, uh, and uh, I think my wrist really hurt afterwards because I was drawing really furiously. <laughs> but as, as I'm wearing with my uh, shirt, I am kind of an apostate at heart. And so uh, I really had to sink myself into that one. God, that's, awesome. <laughs> that's a good story. It's like, so I needed to be angrier. <laughs> you know, um, so much of what we do... Um, uh, is uh, there's a lot of trust, I think, between between all of us. And so, like with a new project, you know, when I'm designing something new and fresh, 
there's a lot of trust they put in me as far as what I'm delivering. Um, so I know when they give me feedback, there's something that obviously just really isn't working. And it's pretty rare that I get much in the way of um, this isn't good enough or this isn't right. And um, and so, you know, especially with something like that, when it just wasn't quite hitting or quite capturing the, the feeling of it's like, okay, let me, let me step back, really think about what it is that we're trying to achieve here. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we all need those kinds of pushes here or there, so. It's definitely yeah. a good thing to, you know, uh, accept the critiques when necessary. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't work in this kind of industry and not take critique. I mean, um, you know. I feel like we've talked about that in some video or another. <laughs> but yeah. but either way, uh, the next question uh, comes from Count Zero ASL. I think he goes by Josh on the server. It's in parentheses next to his name. Um, so his question is, how do you get into digital art in the gaming industry? And what advice would you give to someone trying to do the same? Uh, that's a, it's a great question. So, um, really the, I think the biggest thing is to do it, um, to go and just start making art. Um, if you, uh, if you have any kind of art background, that is awesome. Um, but you know, there are people that I, you know, as with any kind of skill set, uh, I, I believe there are some people that that start with a certain level of talent. Um, but I think for the vast majority of the people, you you build that up, and it takes a lot of time. And it's with any kind of skill, you have to put in the time again and again and again. Um, but from that point, once you get to the point where you feel like you know I'm starting to make some kind of interesting stuff find ways of getting that in front of other people. If it's art directors or other artists or whoever it might be to get you some um, good, good feedback and ask for critiques um, when you're in a place where you feel like you're ready for the critiques and not just the pat on the back. So the pat on the backs are important. You want to feel good about what you're doing. Um, but, but when you're in that place where you can take the critique and not be kind of let that crush your soul, <laughs> the critiques, um and and then listen to them and and continue to work on it um uh you know and then from there uh you know it's a matter of it's building a portfolio and getting yourself out there um i have a lot of artists who hit me up uh through our website um and uh unfortunately my my schedule stays so busy that there are times where that piles up for many months unfortunately um, but, um, but I do, I do try to look at those occasionally. And of course, places like Gen Con, where you can get in front of an art director directly and, and get a portfolio review and get, you know, it might get your foot in the door. Um, but, uh, there are lots of places where you can kind of keep trying to reach out to them and, you know, don't, don't be a pest about it. Don't, don't try to, um, hit people up, you know, once a week or even once a month, but you know, every few months, send them something new, remind them that you're, you're out there, uh, show, show the growth of your work. Um, those kinds of things will stick, stick with people like us. Nice. Al, you, I mean, Dean, you came in perfect time. It's your member question. Is oh that yeah. My question, um, my question is from the comic strip critic and, um, he asked, are there any plans for Numenera MCG art book being published at some point. Uh, a Numenera what? Numenera or MCG art book. Um, you know, I, I can't really speak to future projects. Uh, the truth is, you know, uh, almost everything we do ends up getting um, kickstarted. Uh, it's a formula that works well for us. Um, it allows us to do more things and better things than we could just otherwise do by just publishing a book. Um, you know, we do a number of art books as part of Kickstarters here or there. Um, we've done uh, two different art books now for Invisible Sun. Um, the second one, I believe, has recently been shipping or is about to be shipping or somewhere around there. That was uh, from the second Invisible Sun Kickstarter. Um, uh, we've done... Uh, uh, we've done an art book, I believe, as part of the Numenera uh, box set. Um, but it's one of those that, uh, it, it almost always has to be tied to something special to probably make, make real sense with it, uh, an interesting stretch goal or, or something else as a primary product. 
Um, I would love to see it, um, but it's it's probably harder to justify than, you know, game books are what we do, and so the game books are are first and foremost our priorities. Definitely makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But wouldn't yeah, hurt to I'm, maybe like compile. Few, oh, sorry. I'm just know. saying a few. Um, well, with the Kickstarters that I've done and the books that the art books that have come with them are just that they are, you know, nothing short of great and um, inspiring. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, uh, you know, I I have a huge art background. I I love art. I I back a lot of art books, um, and uh, I support things like. Uh, the spectrum art books, the the annuals that come out, or infected by art. Um, uh, so I'm, you know, I'm certainly a big proponent of those. Uh, it just has to be justified. Um, we did do recently, as part of the last Numenera Kickstarter, as well as the last Invisible Sun Kickstarter, um, uh, books that were the essence of, so the essence right. of Numenera and the essence of Invisible Sun, and those were really interesting because they are both an art book and an essay book. And I really like the form factor of those. Um, so I, I kind of hope that, you know, we, we kind of continue to do those here or there. But um, again, they're, they're pretty special purpose. And yeah. And they're, and they're awesome. <laughs> uh, this last question comes from our golden one, our head mod on the Sever Shah from Irregardless. She's also a graphic designer. She designed our logos. Yep, I am familiar with Shah. She wants to know is how do you decide to how do you decide how you structure dense information like rules in a way that makes it clear as possible for your readers um boy you know uh uh as quick as possible i don't know um, <laughs> no it's uh what we end up uh so you know i get the data from the from the designers it goes through a big process and so by the time it, it gets to me it's it's essentially all ready for layout and um, uh, very often they're fairly clear as far as what they're hoping for out of certain things, but not, not like an overall, this needs to go here, this needs to go there. Um, and so, you know, usually this data for, for me, I see it in a very linear fashion. It's a, it's a word doc and, you know, you, I get it by chapter and it just, you know, here's this table after all of this stuff. And, um, and so, you know, I usually have a, a good concept of what, what data needs to stick together and where it belongs. Um, but, but layouts are this, this funny thing in that it's, there are times where it's really hard to make this bit of data actually be on the same page as this table or this piece of art or whatever it might be. Um, because often, you know, when you're looking at like a, a, a two column uh, spread, the text might actually be on the right-hand side. And so if I add anything else to that page, that text is now pushed, pushed to the next page. Um, and so yeah, I, I think of it very much as a displacement process, uh, very much like a river, right? You, you have the thing and it, it, it continues to flow. And so you can put a big rock in the, in the, in the river to, to change the flow and to move stuff. So sometimes you may need to put something in front of all of that data so the data that needs to be with the other thing is now on a fresh page early on that fresh page to to stick together um but you know we we do a lot of stuff um that is uh we we, we like a lot of white space and kind of big uh, open margins i'm a big fan of 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 um big meaty margins um i think it really helps for that data to sing to to have the air to breathe and all of that kind of stuff and so um having that kind of space as part of our base design allows us some freedom to to make things a little bit easier to push around and i mean you know obviously i back a lot of other books and i buy a lot of other game books and um, a number of them are fairly uh tight in how they design you know the the pages are full full art pages with parchment backgrounds and everything's tied together and they're really beautiful and really nicely done um but man that would drive me crazy i think having to try to put those puzzle pieces together um it would require a different process i think than the way we work to make those it's things. also hard as heck to read too yeah, <laughs> I yeah, open space yeah I, you <laughs> I, know i love i love the fact that you guys do use the open margins and things like that to tie everything together yeah 
the brilliance is really right there when you look at how what you guys did with Numenera 2 with uh, Discovery and Destiny. Thanks. You know, how you were able to make all those books. Though It's really one big cohesive book. It's really not two books. Yeah. So that's it, pretty awesome. And I think, you know, I think you're influencing some other people. I've seen a couple other books laid out and some of their design aesthetics there. They speak to you guys. They, they don't have the formula, but <laughs> try it. Yeah, I, you know, hey, uh, big bar on steel, right? I mean, that's how we all learn and that's how we... Uh, um, you know, I look at other stuff uh, for inspiration. Um, it's all fair game, and uh, we really like a lot, a lot of legibility. And I, I think that's that's often our big focus is really making sure that what we are giving you is something that you can actually read, and it's not painful to read. And yeah, that definitely comes through, especially for someone like me. I struggle to read stuff. It's not that I can't read or anything like that, or like, I, but I, I have a difficult time reading, <laughs> like just being engaged and understanding yeah. what I'm looking at, and all that. Every everything you just spoke of helps tremendously with that. Um, yeah. I'm able to sit down and read a, not a full chapter of something, but I can understand the, the bits of, that I need to understand. Yeah, and, and it helps. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, that concludes our member questions, you know, from our Discord, Cypher Unlimited Discord. So thank you, viewers, for submitting those or, you know, members for submitting those. And uh, look forward to more of this in coming interviews because we definitely want to ask questions you guys want us to ask. But that'll let me go back into asking questions from us. <laughs> but uh, with, with all the success of the Monty Cook Games has had with the um, with his Kickstarters recently, like uh, Numenera Two, Invisible Sun, your best game ever, Arcana of the Ancients, and now Liminal. Well, hopefully, I'm saying that right. Liminal Shores. Um, what's your guys' secret to running a successful Kickstarter? And um, is designing for a Kickstarter any different because you might not be fully, um, you might not know of all the stretch goals that could potentially be reached. Um, you know, so we, uh, you know, this is, I think Liminal Shores is our 15th Kickstarter. Wow. So I think at this point we have a pretty good sense of, of what we're doing. Um, we never, you never know how a campaign is going to be received, um, where it's going to end up. Um, but you, you know, we have, uh, we have enough experience at this point to be able to kind of have some reasonable guesses of where we think it might go. Um, you know, clearly we design uh, our stretch goals and especially, sorry, our backer levels and especially our backer levels that where we know they're, they're kind of all stretch goals included kind of levels where you know you're going to get multiple products. And that. We usually have a, a, going into the Kickstarter, we have a pretty clear vision of, of 90 to 95% of what's ultimately going to happen. Um, uh, you know, there are certainly some, some products that um, are higher level goals that we need those higher level goals to be able to hit that. But we're hopeful that we structured the campaign to be able to reach those levels. And, um, but, you know, we, we also still try to be adaptable and get the temperament of the Kickstarter itself and adjust things as needed along the way. And um, so I, I often have a good sense of what's coming up. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we, we change things here or there, and um, sometimes they keep me on my toes for, for having to, you know, maybe rework a, a mock-up or some of the graphics near last minute. But, you know, that's the fun of it. <laughs> Trust me, we all back at the everything level for every Kickstarter, and we actually did a video where we broke down the last two years of Monica Games Kickstarters. I, I remember that one. And it's all, you know, even the lowest one, I, I believe, might have been on Canada Ancients, you were still up 200 bucks yeah. at the backing at every level. level. So you yeah. guys absolutely, you know, you're on point. You yeah. always get a bang for the buck. That, yeah. That's what I was saying. So, yeah, you know, yeah, we, you know, we want to make sure that um, Kickstarter is so integral to what we do. Um, if we were... You know, a long time ago, I had this mentality that Kickstarter should kickstart a company or whatever, and then you start doing the things traditionally. And um, and I've, having worked here, of course, I've rethought how I think about those things and come around to this thinking because without it, if it, you know, we could be a company where we just publish books and we send them to the game stores and sell them and all that, and we do reasonably well and all. Um, but without 
but but not going the Kickstarter route means that we aren't doing the things at the level that we can do. We, you know, we, uh, I think we are able to produce works that are at, you know, the high end of what's, what's happening out there. Certainly, um, you know, we're competitive with companies that are much bigger than us and it's, it's all thanks to Kickstarter. So, um, but you know, at, at the same time, we want to make sure that people who are backing the Kickstarters feel like they're getting their money's worth and, uh, every once in a while, you see people who kind of discount the the idea of PDFs as part of the deal that, oh, well, you shouldn't count that as the value and blah, 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 because company X gives those away for free. And, you know, I, I understand those points, but, you know, <laughs> our PDFs, are I, they, they don't take two, more, two minutes longer. They do take additional time for us to produce a good quality PDF. And so we don't try to, we aren't ever thinking of these as throwaway products. They are products unto themselves, and they do add value. Um, Most the definitely. The fact that your PDFs are hyper yeah. Yeah. is, <laughs> I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm an old school gamer. I've been doing this for, you know, forever. But I tell you, a lot of times when I go to, to my local game store at Gen Con, I carry my little mini computer or, or tablet. And that's, you know, exactly. That's my, you know, that's my go-to, you know, when I'm running games now, and it, it yeah. makes it so much easier. So, anybody to say that, eh, well, it's your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody could argue with the sheer amount of um, quality and products you get on the MCG Kickstarter. Yeah. Right. You, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I look at my I look at my bookshelf and I look at all the stuff I have from MCG, only to realize. I think I may have bought maybe three products outside of a Kickstarter. Yeah. And you know, if, if you know, you go onto onto your uh, website, you can see, <laughs> you can see the value right there. Yeah. You know, so yeah. yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, Thanks. We're, we're talking about all this good stuff and there's something else that, you know, you guys at Monty Cook Games do and you do quite well, um, which is, you know, you pioneer inclusivity in the tabletop gaming world. Um, is that something you think about, you know, directly when it comes to deciding what images to use to make sure all genders, races, and lifestyles are represented? Or is it just something that happens organically? Um, you know, it's a little of both. Um, it's definitely something that I uh, that is important to me uh, and the rest of us here. Um, uh, but there are times where um, certain details are hard to um, to kind of maintain a certain level of control or um, organization level of it to where uh, mostly because we're so busy. So, um, you know, uh, I don't have like specific numbers. I don't have like, boy, I need to see uh, X percentage of characters that are, say, non-idealized kinds of body types or I want to make sure that a good third of our characters are uh, uh, non-gendered or any of those kinds of things. I don't have specifics. And so, uh, especially when we get really, really busy, um, there are times where some of our products possibly skew in one direction more than we would want. Um, and it's almost invariably going to be, if it's going to skew one way, it's, it's going to skew a little bit uh, more white than we want. Uh, or a little bit more male than we want. And I think it's still, artists are so, uh, and I think the gaming industry itself uh, for, for quite a while was so skewed toward white males that I think a lot of the art is that power fantasy kind of thing for a white male, right? And the idealized male figure and the warrior and everything else. And when you do get women, of course, they're they're sexualized, they're, they're for the male gaze. Um, and so, uh, our artists have really done a great job of transcending that. Um, but, you know, there are times where probably some of that stuff slips through a little bit more than we would like. Um, but that said, it is something that we do talk about. It is something that um, when we get art in, it goes through an art review process 80, 90% of the time, meaning that I'm showing it to the designers and getting their opinions. There are certain products um, that because I am ordering most of the art for it, I, I haven't run it through the that process. And so probably by skipping that process, we let a few things through that uh, maybe aren't as uh, 
to our goals as we would like, I guess. Um, but yeah, you know, I, uh, I want people to be able to look at our books and say, Hey, that could be me. Right. I, and I want that to be anybody. Um, uh, you know, someone's in a wheelchair. I want, I, I, you know, they should be able to see themselves in these games and not just um, able-bodied people or, or whatever. Um, uh, those kinds of things are important to me. And we, I mean, I, we, I can say for all of us, we truly appreciate that. And I, I know you say um, your guys may scale not as much as you like, but compared to other gaming companies, you're leaps and bounds ahead. <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, to be honest. There's, I mean, honestly, I remember, I remember when I got the Numenera book, the the the, uh, the first one, and I opened it up, and there was a African American woman, you know, with a bald head and holding power, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you know, it just literally caught me. It was like a whoa moment. It was really cool. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah. impact that has on the next generation of gamers, you know, it, it's. It's truly, uh, it's uh, it's hard to like. It's hard for me to even describe how how it would be for the next generation of gamers to be represented, or everyone to be represented in the game. But but and I mean and I think that's just that. But I think that's what you know. I don't know Barry. Like you said, you guys got a process. Just you know what, trust your process because you got <laughs> it. Um, I mean even with like no thank you evil the kids. You know, the, the grandbabies, you know, picked up the books, you know, and they're sitting there on the floor and they're looking and they're like, oh, look. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it, it, because they see people that look like them. Yeah. So, yeah. As I said, you know, these things are important to us. And it is something we, we do talk about. Um, I think we try to keep our ear to the ground um, to a certain extent, not to not to pander, um, but to make sure that, um you know, uh, we are doing the right things. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we live in an evolving society. Uh, you know, uh, there have been so many changes, uh, uh, socially, uh, over the past boy, what, 10, 15, 20 years. And it's good to embrace those. Um, you know, and all of us, I think are very, very positive towards changes like that anyway. Um, so it, it really fits. I think it fits for the culture of the company, um, but it's also very personal to us individually. Nice. Speaking of the art, uh, I just want to tell a story that I witnessed firsthand. I was running demos <laughs> at the con booth, and I must have seen four or five artists in the two hours I was there approaching you with portfolios. Mm, yep. And, you know, I guess my question is, how do you decide on a new artist? And, you know, when they do approach you with a a budding artist approaches you with a portfolio. Do you have any advice you could give them to make them more attractive for someone like yourself or other gaming companies, their actual portfolio? Um, you know, the, uh, usually I, I like to, I like to make sure that the art itself is the primary thing that's speaking. It's really easy for me, I think, to, um, uh, judge based upon, um, the person and their experience, you know, certain people, I know certainly not myself, are more confident than others when they're approaching someone that they don't know, right? Um, and so that confidence goes a long ways. And so I try to make sure that I, I'm not unduly influenced by the personality and their approach, but more about really the art. Because ultimately, it's the art that I, I, I want out of it. Um, but that said, you know, uh, uh, I think it's good for for the artist to communicate what it is that they are hoping to get out of the portfolio review. Are you just trying to expose me to your art and hoping to get hired? That's one thing versus are you actually looking for uh, uh, constructive feedback? That's a separate thing. And so I try to make sure I'm asking those questions ahead of time before I, I get too far into it. And then I think that a biggie too is don't show me too much. Um, show me, show me your eight to 10 best pieces. Um, uh, but the more you show me, the more chances you're going to show me something that isn't good. And um, and unfortunately, the stuff that isn't as good, um, if there's something glaring about it or sticks with me or whatever, unfortunately, that sticks with me more than the good stuff. And it's just the way it works. Um, and so um, be, as, uh, be as hard on your own portfolio as possible to, to cut that thing down and... Uh, and show off your best work and the stuff that you really like to do. 
awesome. That's awesome. You hear that, guys? Don't hit Bear with a gazillion <laughs> pitches. <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I literally saw, like, lined up artists. <laughs> I'm like, here's my portfolio. And then, like, I'll turn around. I'll talk to someone. Turn, and there's a totally different person yeah. showing my portfolio. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh. it's an awesome part of the uh, of the convention, you know, being able to uh, to be in that position. Um, you know, I've uh, I actually enjoy a little bit of the mentor uh, role. Um, I I have done that in in certain situations, and um, I, uh, you know, I it's not that I think so highly of myself that boy i can help all these people and blah 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 <laughs> but um i do like being helpful and in cases like this you know most of the artists who who end up coming to me or many of the artists aren't quite ready for us to use them uh, and their art um, but i want to make sure that i can at least be able to help communicate what it is that they could do to improve and to to get to that level and maybe also some other things that they could consider doing in the meantime other companies or other places and um you know i uh, you know we're all trying to make it you know <laughs> we're all trying to to do stuff that we enjoy doing and so i i never want to be a killjoy for anybody's dreams or any of that stuff i mean you know keep out there keep getting out there and, and getting better and, and and make awesome stuff and um, if it's not right for me, doesn't it doesn't mean it's it's not good. It's just you know. Um, so. I, just, uh, I, I definitely have to uh, make sure my husband watches this. He's he's an artist who's like yeah. always like procrastinating on the portfolio stuff. You know, getting their name out there. But um, I'm definitely gonna be sure they listen to these tips. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I'm gonna say uh, just you know a, a real quick final thought. Bear, you're awesome. You know. <laughs> um, it's not a final thought, though, because as far as like all the other questions, you are an awesome guy. I, I remember the first time I met you, I didn't even realize who you were. And he just came up and he spoke to me. He knew who I was, which was pretty cool. You know, I mean, I had seen the name all the time. I didn't know who this guy was and he knew me. And I'm like, and then when he said who he was, I'm like, Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it was really a nice time. And listen to the advice he gives. It's solid people. Um, he's given. I think he's probably given all of us tidbits, and you know, and I think everything that you heard tonight could be applied somewhere. So most definitely. But um, you know, thanks, thanks for being here, Bear. Yeah, all the great stuff. That does wrap up our um, easy questions. You know, <laughs> now we get to go into the really soul digging. We really get into your mind and figure out what makes you tick with our rapid fire questions. <laughs> so basically, it's gonna be or questions. You pick one and we keep it moving. <laughs> so the first question we have for you is player or GM. Uh, you know, I, I like playing. Um, I, I probably play more than I GM, but I, I'm, I'm a GM at heart. I'm a storyteller. Awesome. Pool punches or TPK? Uh, you know, I, I think I'm more of a pull punches kind of guy in the end. I, I want people to have fun. I, I want to skirt up to that edge. I want to know, you should know that there's some danger, but uh, yeah, I, I'm looking, I, I'm there to look out for my players. <laughs> He's like, you know, I don't want to crush anybody's dreams with their portfolios, but the gaming table is a different. <laughs> Let the bloodbath begin. <laughs> online or in-person gaming? Uh, in-person, definitely. I, you know, online is, it's an awesome world, and I love that we're able to do this, but uh, it's so much richer, yeah, so much richer in person. Hard agree. <laughs> but uh, next question, announce the difficulty number or keep it a secret? That is a keep it a secret. I think it's uh, um, two reasons actually for me uh, to be to be perfectly honest. One, uh, I don't want to make it too easy for you, but if I actually need to fudge something because something is looking really bad, I may I may fudge that number once <laughs> or twice. So, so all, all for the best of the game, right? It's just all for everybody to have a good time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, salty or sweet snacks at the gaming table. Both. You got to have both. <laughs> I, I'll probably start with the salty, but I'm going to jump to the sweet. But eventually I'm going to be back to that salty. And then the yeah. sweet. <laughs> RP combat or good mix? Um, 
I would say probably at this point, good mix. I, I, I still have a tendency to be a little bit more combat oriented. Um, it, it's, it's just my background. I, um, you know, uh, I'm not a violent person in real life. Um, <laughs> but, uh, when it comes to the games, it's, it's nice to be able to, I mean, it's one of the ways in which you can role plays. You, you don't, I'm not going out and killing people in real life <laughs> and role play that. Um, but I, I, I like action. Um, but that said, you know, we're moving towards running probably an Invisible Sun game. And I uh, I see so much of the beauty of what uh, uh, has been happening in Monty's personal game with Shauna and Sean and Bruce. And um, and I'd like to be able to somehow capture at least a portion of that. So, Don't you believe it, people? It's going to be a spell war. <laughs> <laughs> That's all good. All right. So PDFs or physical books? Uh, physical. The PDFs, boy, I... I probably use them uh, every bit as much and maybe even more so at the game table. Um, but I'm a tactile guy. I, I, I want that. I want to feel the stuff. I want to smell the stuff. It's uh, the physical means so much. Okay. And uh, pen and paper, or I'm sorry, pen and paper notes or digital. Um, I'm, you know, uh, I think I'm probably more pen and paper. Um, I've tried the digital, uh, actually I was using our, our character, Numenera character portfolio, uh, on my iPad. Um, but it's, uh, the PDF apps aren't quite stable enough to really retain all that data. And I remember losing data once and it's like, no, I got to write this stuff down. Yeah. Losing data is the worst. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> Besides, I'm going to buy one of those, uh, those $90 pins that I can write and it'll like translate it yeah. to Besides the um, player and GM notebooks are awesome, so you should be yes, using those. Yes, they are. Yeah. You could also use them digitally because you could uh, yeah. <laughs> form fillable. They yep. form fillable as well. <laughs> I don't know if we've released our, uh, uh, our Cypher System character portfolios yet, but I know it and the Cypher System rulebook, if they haven't been released yet, they're like just right around the corner. Yes. And uh, uh, the Cypher System character portfolio, that's all form fillable. Well, it comes in two versions, but, you know, it's <laughs> – uh, uh, it's a lot of work to make those things work, but it's it's so worth it. Listen, and I I cannot say enough. I I can't wait to get the go ahead so we can review <laughs> that. Yeah. That PSR is awesome. <laughs> I don't think you actually have the the hyperlinked or, P, or uh, bookmarked version of that, right? No, no, no. the review copy. Yeah, yeah, so you'll you'll really appreciate because it, it it needs the hyperlinking throughout it, and it it really sings as a book. I think it, it's still the copy we have still gives me the shakes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we all cipher core guys, so yeah, you know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> all right, so here's the last question: pre-written adventures or original copy, uh, original content? Uh, you know, I. I'm original. I, you know, as I said before, as, as being a, for the GM question, I, um, uh, you know, I've been a writer at times. I uh, unfortunately have not written much in the past couple of years or so, but uh, at, at the end of the day, I, I like coming up with stuff myself. And so I, I, I love the influence of seeing all this stuff around me and, and checking out other products, but I want to come up with that, with those, those killer ideas and those special hooks and something that's like that surprise, you know, that's me. I, I, I came up with that. <laughs> hey guys, you heard it here. Bear's going to write an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. Sometime. And since she's going to TPK, y'all going to die. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that you, you, you did it. You're being a rapid fire question. <laughs> He survived. He survived. <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was a fantastic chat. Thank you so, so much for coming on and, you know, answering all our questions and, you know, giving us all this wonderful advice and insight into what goes on behind the scenes and, you know, the inner machinations of your mind and all that. Um, if if the, our viewers wanted to reach you through the internet, how could they? You got Facebook, Twitter, so on and so forth. Um, you know, uh, I'm on both uh, Twitter and Facebook primarily, um, but Twitter is one of those that it's it uh, it it's probably rarer for me to be attentive to to Twitter. Uh, Facebook, I I'm on there. Um, I usually friend people who are who have you know friends in common. So you know um, uh, if we're if we're already connected with a handful of people or whatever, shoot me a friend invite. Artists, of course, certainly send me a friend invite. I'm always happy to. Uh, chat art or see your art um, uh, but uh, 
you know, both of those things, I'm, I'm, I'm always open to um, uh, being connected in some form or fashion. So, yeah. So we'll definitely be sure to add links down below to, you know, your Facebook page or whatever have you and uh, your Twitter, yeah. even though you said you don't use it much, but doesn't yeah, have to have know, those I, links. I use, yeah. I, I use it enough, right? <laughs> I'm the same I, way, quite honestly. I'm not going to be uh, quite yeah. frank here. I'm the same, same exact way. Uh, yeah. Been trying to be good about it, but it is tough. <laughs> But uh, yeah, um, we'll, well, again, we'll be sure to have all that information down below for everybody out there to, you know, look at and, you know, to get connected with Elbear. And um, any final thoughts, fellas, before we close this out? I mean, I just want to say, Bear, thank you. I, one, I appreciate you coming on our show and, you know, showing us some love. Not only you, but the entire MCG team. You know, your guys are awesome and you're so great to your um, to everyone that supports you and you know loves what your guys do and we truly appreciate it everyone on our server knows how great your guys are and thanks again yeah no this is awesome i you know i i know uh, dean and i chatted about doing this i don't know probably six months ago or whatever and and i just dropped the ball at the time i was too busy and um so i'm glad you you reached out again um but you know i i enjoy doing this stuff and i love what you guys do i'm 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 a big fan of uh, the uh, Discord server. Um, I know I point a lot of people to it. I, I think it's it's an awesome resource, um, and uh, uh, you know everything you guys do is 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 awesome, and it's you know we we really appreciate it. Oh, that's awesome. we 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 uh we love you guys at MCG too. And you know what, Bear? I'm actually going to show you, send you a couple of pieces of my poetry artwork. See what you think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Of course. You have to send them less than ten. Don't send them. <laughs> no. I'm always to like three or four. You <laughs> send more than ten, he sends it back. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, this has again been a splendid talk. Uh, thank you again so much, Bear. You're wonderful. This is a wonderful chat. You guys at Montego Games are amazing. Keep doing what you all are doing. It works. You guys are fantastic. To all your viewers out there, be sure to like, share, subscribe. Hit that little notification bell to get notifications as to when we post our videos so you can see more wonderful interviews like this. And um, yeah, from us at the CU, we will see you later. <laughs>